Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. LPN Deep Dives presents A Court of Thorns and Roses. With Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. Oh, did you happen to bring the wings? It's okay yes. if you didn't. I'm sorry that I asked you for wings last minute. Um, I just was like, uh, uh, Emery. Uh, You're, the, the magic's being ruined. Uh, Camera's rolling. I'm, oh, I'm sorry, camera. You look great. I have to put my wings on. You're being a very sensual Emery. Yeah, I'm being sensual Emery. I saw this one picture where she had this like top coat thing on just like this and was like, oh, that's what I'll wear. It doesn't even matter. You, can, you can't even see the wings. You, you can't even see my wings. I'm too fat. I'm too fat for my wings. No, you're not. I think these are children's wings. Oh, that's all. They're just children's wings. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're clipped. Actually, this is good. They're supposed that's to true. Be, they're supposed to be clipped because of those bastards. Bastards. I, uh, I, I'm dressed as Nesta during the bedroom scene, and whoa, I didn't want to wear. It. I didn't want to wear it last week because you were uh, Cassian. Oh, yeah, so you didn't want to, like, get me too hot and bothered? I just didn't want the connotation to be there. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't, um, need to, we don't need to give them a show. Uh, uh, but it's just, I'm wearing a slip and a wig, and uh, a bunch of city workers just showed up at my door right before this, and so I just answered the door. They go, Bobble, Bobble, I don't I'm know if they trouble. Did, I don't know if they did that as much as like, oh, she's, oh, it's an insane woman that's here. <laughs> she's a slip Crocs in this wig. And I was just like, yes, Crocs. They're like, we need to cut a tree in your yard. It's like, well, I hope you're not robbers, because I'm leaving. Goodbye. Middle of the day, and I'm dressed like this. They don't you know? know. They don't get it. Oh, also, I couldn't find my ears, so please don't look at directly at my ears because I couldn't find them. I ha- oh my god! I know they're round and disgusting. You know what? The opposite problem. I put my w- my ears on and then remembered that Illyrian don't have the ears. Why well, so couldn't I had to rip them ears. off? Yeah, I could have. Yeah, you could have used my ears. What happened to my ears? I don't know, yeah. man. We're going to have to smoosh. Maybe you should get the forever implants, then we never have to worry about it. You're right. We we have talked about it before. I'm down. We've got go. friends with them. We do. We actually do have friends Yeah, with so them. let's let's get the real ones. I want to forever be Faye. Yeah, let's live in complete denial of reality. Forever. I'm probably not going to live forever. I'm probably going to. I mean, again, I'm having a midlife crisis, so I guess I'm saying that my end's around 72. Midlife crisis. Got another tattoo. 
Yeah, I'm talking well, about that's it. That's a poem. What? You just rhymed. Oh, I'm a, I'm a poet. I didn't know it. Sounds like somebody's ready to record. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> Our mother just left town. It was very nice. No, it was great. I just, I'm exhausted, but I mm. think it's kind of fun. You know, like you forget when, like, until your mom's in town, how much, like, I don't know, not everyone has this relationship with their mom, but like my mom and I talk a lot. So it's just been like a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of, like, deep talking, which is fun, you know? It really stretches your mindscape when you just want to think real deep. Yeah. And then you're like, but, Mom, I'm wearing a slip and I got wings on. What do I do, Mama? Mama, what do I do, Mama? Mama. No, she loves it. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, like, having a, a mac and cheese hangover from how much I ate. My poor butt. I made, um... I made, I think, eight pounds of mac and cheese yesterday. So good. Wagon wheel noodles. Yeah. Bro, I think we just unlocked something. I'm throwing it down here. What is your favorite mac and cheese noodle shape? This is very important. I will judge you on your answer. Now, we used pinwheels, which are not called pinwheels. I think they're called, like, rotana. Mm. And um, we use the pinwheels, though, for... That's a traditional Italian shape? I thought yeah. that was just some weird dumb American thing we did. I mean, I, I'm sure it's not, like, OG Italian. Mm. I think this is more of, like, you know, macaroni rascals Italian, which is, <laughs> yes, what the Jersey Shore is called overseas. Ah, uh, okay. Macaroni oh, right. rascals. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. It is, it is a tidbit of information I'll never forget. Can't remember what was I it, did yesterday, but I do remember that. Was it Italy where it's called that? Italy. It's macaroni rascals. It is actually called macaroni rascals. <laughs> Which is definitely what we were yesterday while we ate all of that mac and cheese. And yeah. now my poor butt. Your butt? Yeah, man. You, I'm a Midlife crises can't handle the dairy. Oh, got it. And maybe that's just my regular body, but I'm going to blame. I think that ha- blaming everything on a midlife crisis is my new thing. Mm, midlife crisis 2024. Yeah, I got to start drinking at 2 p.m. I'm a midlife crisis. <laughs> that's when I think you guys will have a conversation with me about me having a midlife crisis. But I think that it's going to last about five years. Oh, no. So what will be left of you after that? Good luck. I don't mm. know what's going to be left of me. I've been, I've been thinking about getting a head tattoo. I don't know. What do you mean a head tattoo? I want it on my head. I want it on the side of my head. Well, that's all right. Just your hair grows over it. I hear that it just like it feels like you're literally like drilling into like, yeah, the middle of the earth. Like so. I wouldn't want that. Our friend said that like she couldn't think straight for like a week after it. And you want that? Kinda. Okay. Midlife crisis. You're just gonna tattoo hair. Aw, that would be kind of cute. Maybe I'll shave off my eyebrows and I'll tattoo the eyebrows on, and then my eyebrows will grow back in. Double the brow, double the fun. I I think these are all really good ideas. Thank you. And Can you handle my energy right now? We are going to go. Maybe we'll workshop them a okay, little bit right, later. Sure. I'm open. Okay. We'll, we'll put a bulletin together. We'll put a, a, a eraser board. Yeah. some notes. Yeah. Get some notes up there. I just okay. want to know, you know, share with us. Have you had a midlife crisis? What did you buy? And did you destroy your life? And what age does it start for you? Because I don't think you're old enough. <laughs> you don't think I'm old enough yet. <laughs> I, you know, I think I'm just looking at the big picture here, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be, technically I'm being positive. I think it's like a nice thing where it's like, oh, is it nice that she thinks that she's going to live this long, that she has a midlife crisis when she's 36? What? Yeah. You think you're 
spin it out, spin it into positive. I'm pro-noia. I'm living a life how my husband lives. He believes in living a life, it's, called, it's the opposite of paranoia, where like the world's got your back. It's called pro-noia. And that you believe in the positive energy of the Like, is it just, like, constantly being prepared for a trust fall, just knowing somebody's going to catch you? Yeah, just, like, so just... Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) Didn't work. (laughs) That didn't work. (laughs) I guess I I reacted. Bro, no, (laughs) Natalie, got to be prepared. (laughs) You did just throw your body at me, and I didn't punch you. No, so thank you. Thank you for not doing that. And see, growth. (laughs) That's what we're here for. Child's wings. (laughs) We saw, I will say, we were following someone. uh, We were walking behind them in Vegas. And it was a a woman that had very, very small wings tattooed on her back. Mm. And she was a larger woman. And I just followed behind her. And I just kept laughing to myself, imagining if they were real wings. (laughs) And how it wouldn't be able to just be like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) I just. Little tiny wings. They were very small. They were like the size of my hand. Small. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, maybe they mean something. Maybe like something has small wings that like. And I was like, or did she not know the tattoo was going to be this small? And then all of a sudden she's like, like Oh, she you're just starting it. the wings. She ordered it from Shein and was like, Wait a second. Wait a second. How small are these wings? <laughs> I'm not going to go anywhere with these wings. Um. So you know. Just to share. All right. Well, we last left Nesta in her stairwell, <laughs> mulling over what she needed to do. Oh, is it kiss and fuck? No. Right oh. now, she's mulling over how she needs to deal with the priestesses and, and their mm. uh, their decision to not bow to her whims, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. But we don't know that as a reader yet. She's just, she was on the stairs. She was going over her conversation with Gwen. <coughs> Get it all out. Get all the phlegm out of there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's living in there. I guess I should stop smoking weed. Yeah, right. Then maybe not. I don't think you should. No, 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 no. I'll I don't think it's the time. No. I say allergies be damned. I can't just, on a whim, stop drinking wine. That's weird. No, 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 no. We need these things. Mm-hmm. We got to get through the day somehow. <laughs> How else am I going to smile? I mean, there is wine in that coffee, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's more like coffees and my wine. It's just a little touch of coffee, you know? I mean, I get it. I can't drink espresso martinis anymore. Because if you think but they're that so good. this is too much coffee, which is the vat of coffee that I'm holding up that I drink through every one of these uh, episodes, yep. I could drink this much espresso martini. Yeah, no, I get that because they're delicious. And then my belly hurts. Yeah. That's a midlife uh, eight speedball. Which one? I always forget which one is eight ball. It. Eight ball is heroin and crack together. Mm, I don't remember. I don't know. Eight ball. I know that's something, and I know that it is something that I can't handle anymore. I think an eight ball is cocaine. It's like an ima- amount of cocaine, and I think a speedball is heroin and crack. You know what? I'm proud of us that we don't know. <laughs> I think that this is good. I think this is growth. Feel free to angrily correct me on the internet, and I'll be like, looks like you know a lot about crack, huh? And, uh, you know, somebody's got to. Um, but it's not going to be <laughs> us today. We'd be speaking a lot faster. We would be. Um, 
So we don't know what's going on here, but she's on the stairs. She realizes she needs to do something. And then at the start of chapter 24, Cassian is standing in front of Clotho. He's thinking about how utterly brutalized the female was when she first arrived centuries past and how he's not sure whether her face was saved because when Moore brought her in, she was completely like mutilated, essentially. This was my issue because I was going to dress as Clotho today and then I realized I'm like, I don't have like any prosthetics. Like I had nothing to put on my face. Yeah. Also... I, I didn't want to yeah. do it. Yeah. And I just like, I wasn't thinking about that. I just had a cloak and I was like, oh, I could be Clotho. And then it was like. I mean, you could just be oh. any priestess. Yeah. Just a priestess. Yeah. Well, maybe put I will on be any, in the future. Put on a fun wig. And then you're just like, a different priestess. I kind of have a few. I have also several. <laughs> That's why I thought today was nice because like Emery's got dark hair, but except her hair is more like black. But I mean, I think it's a good uh, color match. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Although she does wear her hair. I tried to br- I don't I was trying to braid my hair because she wears a braid off to the side. And um, I realized I don't know how to. So I was just kind of like trying to twist it. But that's not how you make a braid. You don't have a braid? No. Really? I don't know how to braid. Wow, Jackie. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be. I, I, I'm shocked. Yeah, you can teach me if you want. I'd be happy to teach yeah. you. I had really, really short hair for most of my life. So I never learned like all the things of how. That's why I'm just learning even about the curly girl. I'm doing the curly girl method because I don't know how to have long hair. Yeah, that's so because I sometimes I it's interesting. I ask like masculine presenting people if they were taught to braid or people who were masculine presenting as kids because I I don't know if guys are taught to braid when they're young. I think, yeah. So our producer, editor, is saying no. He no, did not learn. He, he does not know how to braid. But then my husband does know at least like the basics of braiding because of like knot tying. So it's like you can use some like knot tying oh, yeah. techniques. It is a knot, the, basically. Yeah, it kind of. It's like I feel like they're really... Pitching braiding wrong. It's just knots, right? Is that what knots? Right. You need to rebrand it. Re. It needs a rebrand. I'm getting in. I'm PR for braids now. Right. <laughs> no, I don't know how to braid. I don't know. No, there's no know. money to be made with <laughs> no. it. But big braid, I'm coming for you. <laughs> um. So you're gonna have to teach me how to braid. I got two big braids right here. Yeah. Did you braid it yourself? No. Look how beautiful this is, though. This wig. This company's so. Whoa! Nice. It's got like bejewels in it. Yeah. I'm obsessed with this. It's an Etsy company called Freya's Garden. Whoa. Um, they're great. So Clotho is we've like, hearing through Cassian's thought. Clotho has been in the sanctuary. Uh, basically, I think what he's saying is that she was the first, and she's been helping build this sanctuary for all the priestesses and, priestesses since. And he's never seen her face past that first day, and doesn't know what happened. Cassian wishes his mother would have had a place like this to go. Oh God! Every time he thinks about his mother, it's just so heartbreaking. I know. Well, we find out that Cass is here at the request of Clotho because Nesta is drumming up a bit of contention amongst her and some of the priestesses Mm. by doing her kicks and punches amongst the books. Oh, don't scare the books, Nesta. This is news to Cassian, and he's pretty surprised by it, not only because he didn't know that she'd been practicing extra, but that she would disturb the females fade out yeah, here. You might not want to bring like a whole like violent vibe yeah. into there, you know. Pretty sure they're not into. That's why they're down there. Yeah, just so to like be away super, from all of that. Yeah. yeah. 
But Cass and Nesta have recently begun the process of learning different sets of punches. And it's a lot to remember, so I guess Nesta's just got to try. I understand. Kick, punch, it's all in the mind. Yeah. Maybe she's just like that little dog. What was his name? Like, Rap Dizzle. What? Kick, punch, it's all in the mind. Parappa the Rapper. Thank you, Ryan. I am unclear what you're speaking (laughs) of. You guys out there know what I'm talking about. I guess so. I'll have to take your word for that's a real thing. That's, I think, all I remember from it. But thank you, Parappa the Rappa. So she is having to remember all of this stuff with Cassian, but that's all that her and Cassian have been doing since the week before. Oh, since I bet that they've night. been thinking about doing other things, though. But they haven't m- acted upon anything or even mentioned it to one another about what happened. Imagine Just pretending her, like it didn't. Ugh, she's kicking and punching in this little slip over here. I don't know. Uh-oh. I don't know if they would let her go into the library like that. No, it might just rip off of her body. Not your body. Nesta's, yeah, Nesta's body. Nesta's different woman. Different fae. Different fae. Um, but now he's before Clotho, and he's trying to hide his amusement at the flustered writing from Clotho, who, as she's trying to describe why she needs him here. Who's not? She's not truly mad, but she's pretty irritated at Nesta. He suppresses a smile, and he asks for permission to enter the library space to speak with Nesta. She agrees and thanks him, and when she calls him Lord Cassian, he tries to push back on that, but she writes, You are a lord in good deeds. It is not a title born, but earned. Oh, he's very, yeah, he's super touched by this and doesn't argue with her further. After walking down the ramp, he finds Nesta in an aisle on level five, using books as targets for punches and kicks. He doesn't alert her to his presence until she finishes her set and then says, just you're still dropping your elbow. Oh, yeah, she's going to drop some bows over. Goosh, goosh, put your dick inside of me. Sexual. Sexual. That's his sexual. This is just punching down with your bow, right? That's like a sexy thing. Don't yeah. look at me while I do it. This is, this is how I get Jeff turned on. Goosh. <laughs> just pulling the lever on yeah. gum. Um, yeah, and it comes down like slime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she spins around, shocked that he's there, and he's amused to see her startled and caught off guard. But she shakes it off quickly and marches over to him where he stands on the open side of the ramp facing outward. Instead of asking him what he's doing here, she challenges him. She was not dropping her elbow. Whoa. Before Cassian can launch into Clotho's request, she demands to know exactly where she's sh- dropping her elbow. Why don't you show me then? Oh, yeah. And the Cassian is thinking in this moment that he feels pretty moved by it because the fire in her that he remembers when he first met Nesta is appearing at the surface, which he hasn't seen in a long time. Yeah. Which, while prickly, she's always had a lot of passion in her until very recently. So he obliges, going exactly against Clotho's wishes. He tells her to get into fighting stance and show him another punch. She noticeably drops her elbow. Get back into position. She did, and he asked. May I? Nesta nodded and kept perfectly still as he made minute adjustments to the angle of her arm. Punch again, slowly. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. Show me how to sure. do it. Sure. I don't know. know. <laughs> um, men love when women don't know things. Yeah. Like, teach me. I don't get to Zoom. Confused. Baby. Daddy, what are you doing <laughs> Except, no, he likes the fire. No, he likes he a woman. He doesn't want a baby. No, he wants a, a woman. woman. <laughs> He continues to respectfully guide her through the process, only touching her where necessary, not Ugh. getting into her space. Ugh. She punches again with perfect form, and he gives her a series of combinations to go through. He watches her complete them beautifully. She was like, quote, watching a river to him. They continue to go through some tips and breakdowns, and then he notices that when his attention is turned towards the greater library, that there are little sets of eyeballs peeking out from the banisters all imagine around. imagine that it's like, boink, 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 boink. That's how I was seeing it. Like yeah. little raccoons. Yeah, yeah. Staring at you, waiting for you to leave the trash behind. <laughs> when they see him looking, they all scamper away, but he notices one copper-topped head watching the longest. Hmm. He realizes in this moment that Nesta had had perfect form earlier in the day, that she had known better than she was acting like. I figured you'd correct me. Shock and delight slammed into him. She'd moved out of the stacks before she let him do so, into plain view, so they would all see him teaching her. Oh, so we get it. That's what she came up with on the staircase. She wanted them to see that he was not scary. And that he wasn't, like, getting in her space or doing anything that he wasn't consent king. Consent king. Consent king. What you want, just, oh, the touch of an, I won't touch you. Such a cupping, but this cupping of the elbows. Cupping. Oh, I see. Doing like imagine that of just like a slight, yeah, just may I and these slight movements, and you're just like, oh, you cupping. feel the like cupping, cupping. cup. <laughs> <laughs> Only time I think cupping is sexy, I guess, if it's on a bow. Cupping. I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I don't know what else would be a sexy cupping. I guess if you cup the bulls. I guess that. I mean, I don't. I think that it's if they would like that, they that's there? cool. But I'm not like, yeah, I can't wait to cup these cup balls. these balls. Oh yeah, get these balls over here. <laughs> Y'all get this. <laughs> can't wait to get my hands on those, those testicles. Yeah. Mm. Um, those sacks. <laughs> those sacks. <laughs> oh, women yeah. love it. Um, Hell yeah. A little secret about women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's near those sacks. As she as she walks away from Cassian, she tells him to go ahead and tell Clotho that she won't be practicing down here anymore, leaving Cassian to lean against his locker, shaking his head in wonder as he pulls oh. his sunglasses down. Oh, Whoa. he's like that bitch. I don't know why I just saw him as A.C. Slater in this scene. I mean, yuck and a yeah, half. Yeah, yuck. But, um, yeah, I guess. I see uh, vibes-wise, yeah. yes. Not, not sexually no. attractiveness-wise. No, 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 no. We cut over to Nesta's POV and confirm what Cassine had observed, that she wanted the priestesses. That's a really difficult word to yeah, pronounce priestesses. accurately. Yes. Priestesses. She wanted the priestesses <laughs> to see. Thank you. Now, now, I'm like, oh, that's like, the oh, word. That's yeah. what you're saying. Okay. To see that Cassian is a respectful male, that even though the two of them are practically ripping each other's clothes off, he still maintains an appropriate distance. 
doesn't condescend to her, Mm-mm. doesn't bully or antagonize. Because obviously the priestesses can tell that their scents are all like all over each other. Uh, right? Yeah. But even in that moment, he still was very respectful of her space. Yet that evening, there were still no names on the sign-up sheets. Come on, gals. She gets a sense that Clotho is as disappointed as she is. And that really affects Nesta for some reason. Again, Nesta decides to take to the stairs that night, chastising herself for being so stupid. Maybe she was totally wrong, and the physical training wouldn't help them. Maybe she's just a big, dumb idiot. No, Nesta, don't talk about our friend like that. I know, right? This night, she makes it down to 900 steps before she begins her journey back, feeling defeated. She's ready to collapse into bed when she notices a new book on her nightstand. It's called The Dance of Battle. Ooh! I assume that SJM is referencing the ancient text, The Art of War, which was said to have been written by Sun Tzu in 5th century BC China. It's a text that's been highly regarded as not only a militaristic guidebook, but is often used as a reference for metaphorical war in business or other competitive spaces. Mm. It's author- Just like what we do here. Ah, eh? yes, the art of war. Souls of the tongue. Yes. Um, so... That, I think, is what she's referencing. It's a pretty famous book. You've probably heard the title before. But um, the uh, it was interesting. I was just reading a little bit about it for this. And the author is heavily debated as being a real person or not. So who wrote the book? I think that there is a suggestion that it was many people. Oh, it takes a village. Because it seems to be there's no concrete proof that Sun Tzu was a real person. Sort of the way historical figures are more like symbolic or an amalgamation of people's projections, even like combining a group of people like Jesus, like a lot of speculations about Jesus Christ or King Arthur. That like the stories weren't all about one person. It was about like a group of yeah, people. sprinkling of different things and then people's perceptions. So you're saying that and... I could also be one of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Maybe like what I do and they're like, man, when your titties are hanging out, you know, like Jesus. Is that... Wait. I don't know. Maybe that's something he championed that we didn't even know about oh, because right, you because, know, like, like the it other got things. Around. Yeah, it got yeah. changed around. Maybe, maybe he was up there and he's going, "Ooh, by up there, I mean do mean on the crucifix." Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, yeah, but so they think that the, potentially that author could actually be that just a group of people that they like created into like an imagery of something, which is I thought was interesting. Yeah, that thing. makes sense. Um, um, and I also have no authority to speak on this book whatsoever. Just uh, You're just talking about stuff. one, too. Yeah, yeah, you know. I wonder if SGM actually read that Art of War to write out battle scenes. I, I'm wondering if that she came across that. She must have had to read something because the way she writes them, are it, it's so fun and so like like fluid that I feel like she must have done some kind of preparation and mu- or at least knows something about the way war can be fought. Yeah, and I mean... like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I wouldn't be surprised if authors, like, sometimes would read that to write battle scenes if they've never been in a battle before. Also, I know in a lot of her, um, like, acknowledgement sections of her books, she thanks people. Like, I know she referenced people who had fight training and stuff for this book. Hell yeah. Because there's a lot of fighting in it. Um, Maybe she'll talk to you. Maybe she'll get you up. Sarah, please Girl. hit us up. Come on. Um, Snap me. Snapchat? Do people do Snapchat? I think it is still big for youngs, yes. Mm, I think it's also big for sex trafficking. 
Oh, so that's bad. Maybe yeah. get off the Snapchat. But the filters. They are they are fun. So Nesta now has a mysterious book on this her nightstand, this dance of battle. She at first thinks it's from the house, but the house basically says, Nah's on me, Bessie. I didn't bring it. Uh-oh. Then she smells that familiar sex panther smell wow. all over it and realizes the book was from Cassian. He'd left it for her, deemed her worthy of whatever lay inside. Nesta perched on the edge of the bed and thumbed open the text. She reads and reads through the night. It was astonishing how much of the art of warfare was like the social manipulation her mother had insisted she learn. Picking battlegrounds, finding allies amongst the enemies of one's enemies. Some of it was wholly new, of course, and such a precise way of thinking that she knew she'd have to read the manuscript many times to fully grasp its lessons. And she also notes that it looks like it's been read a hundred times already, like Cassian constantly goes through it. So this is sort of this big compliment to her that he's feels that she's, like she said, worthy enough to read this thing that's so important to yeah. him. I just get it because, like, I do that with The Giver. I read The Giver once every year. So I, you know, can learn what happens if you see red for the first time. And I'll go, oh, my God, there's no color. There's no color. Spoiler alert. There's no color. There's no color in the book, other than they learn color. I read The Giver once a year. Um, and so it's just like Cassian. I'm just like Cassian. <laughs> Where are my bigger wings? I'm ready for regular adult wings. Maybe we can sprinkle some uh, miracle Grow on them. I think that's a great idea. And then you could put your hands on my back and give me your memories. Have you read The Giver? No. I... <laughs> it's a book you read in like middle school. And I'm thinking of The Giving Tree, which is different. Yes, that is different, but also a beautiful book. Very sad. Oh, very sad book. No, I don't know The Giver. Um, I only read smut. Yeah, we're in a smut world now. There's no smut in The Giver, but it did. It was <laughs> That'd the be first weird book. if they gave yeah. it to middle school. Oh, yeah, no, it would be very uncomfortable. But um, I will say it was the first book that, like, blew my mind. Oh, that's cute. As, like, like a 10-year-old. Aw, See, isn't that nice and sweet? I'm not all tattoos and sex. Yeah, that's what uh, I always thought you were all sex, Jackie. <laughs> Until I know you read books in middle school. Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Need a cold coffee with a bold flavor? Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods were specially crafted for cold coffee. Brew over ice straight out of the Keurig coffee maker for smooth, delicious Dunkin' taste you know and love. Find your next Dunkin' Cold coffee in the roasted coffee aisle. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. 
Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Finally, eyes heavy, she puts the book down to get some sleep before the next day starts. As she drifts off... She begins to sort through her memories of seeing Cassian in battle and notes that he seems to use this book as a guide in so many ways, but strays from it in one big way. The book suggests commanding troops from back. Cat? Nah. Yeah, from the butt. Yeah, it's the butt. Yeah, that's where I like to get commanded to. Command me from behind. They're murdering people. I'm sorry, they're murdering people. This is very serious business. Cassian Cassian always fights from the front. Yeah. <laughs> his dick. Yeah, with his penis. You think he uses it as a, a spear sword, at the front? Sword, sword, yeah. sword, sword. That's what, I mean, at, right? What I've heard, it's big enough to. I, yeah, okay. <laughs> the size of my forearm. That's too much. Ow, it's too much. Ow, yeah, yuck. I don't think, I don't, I'd rather not. Oh, thank but. you. Right before her brain moves to a full dream state, she mulls over the many perceived failures of her life and how that is now blaringly continuing to happen with the priestesses. This feeling of failure jolts her back from blessed ob- oblivion and she stares out into the darkness. Man, I get that. Oh, it's yeah. It's like you're having a good time. You're like thinking about good things and all of a sudden, slam! Remember that one thing that you did mm-hmm. that you always are going to remember? Slam! You're not going to go to sleep tonight. Slam! Yeah, when you're almost asleep and then you have like some anxiety thought and you're like, fuck! Get out of here, intrusive thoughts! The next afternoon, she begins her shift at the library and she tries to slip past Clotho, not wanting to sense her disappointment at the empty sign-up sheet. But then suddenly she notices Clotho gesturing at her <gasps> and she can tell it's with excitement. Nesta turns her head towards the pillar. A name had been scrawled on the sheet. One name in bold letters. One name ready for tomorrow's lesson. Gwen. Yay! Gwen! Yeah, and with that, we enter part two, Blade. Blade! And we're not talking about Cassian's penis. Ooh, I or hope it's not sharp. We... Ouch. Yeah, what are you gonna give me another slit? Oh, I'm sorry, I disgusted that, myself. I disgusted myself. I don't like horrible. it. I don't like that I said it. I don't like that I thought it, but I, I thought it and I had to say it to you guys because now we're all shared in my horror show of a brain. It's very um uh what's his name? Childless. It's very uh <laughs> Oh my god, what the body horror the guy Cronenberg. Very Cronenbergian. Oh, yeah. Another vagina, huh? Yeah. Just somewhere else on your body. Yeah. But, or like a Titan. Titan. Uh, no Titan, please. Having sex with a car. Oof, that movie, I could not get through it. Titan was rough. I have a lot of trouble it's getting... It's Titan, but I call it Titan. I mean, it kind of looks like Titan. Yeah. Um, It isn't... What is it, German? I think it might be French. French. That is a That is a body horror... Horror movie that I could not finish personally. Yeah, right. um, I have a hard time with that. Tito. 
It's uh, don't be looking up Teton right now. I was looking up Teton. I just wanted to make sure it was French. It's French Bulgarian. French Bulgarian. Belgian. French Belgian. Belgian. Okay. I just saw the B and I made up the rest of the words. So. Cool. <laughs> it's here we realize that the parts are being labeled. So the parts of the book now are like clearly this is being labeled by the classifications used by the Valkyrie. Because we learned that way back in Chapter 13 when Gwen was explaining her Valkyrie research that she was doing with Meryl. So the first part is called Novice. The part two is called Blade. And then the third thing that happens to become Valkyrie, then you become Valkyrie. So right now we're at Blade. Yes, as we start part two, Cassie and Nesta are waiting at the training ring. Definitely not nervous for Gwen to arrive. It's so what a cute thing for them to go through together where they're both like trying to be like cool about it. Like, oh, yeah, she's going to like she's she's going to show up. She's going to show up, right? It also shows a progression in their intimacy because they're both standing there and going like, you're making me nervous. You're not. You're making me nervous. Stop it. Or it's like this sort of. It almost feels a little bit couple-y. It does. Question mark. Um, soon, Gwen appears in the stone archway, and Nesta rushes forward because she can sense that Gwen is pretty freaked out by doing this, and it's emanating from her. So she kind of comes forward to get closer to Gwen to help her, like, escort her out of the, the darkness of the archway. Mm-hmm. She hasn't been outside in two years, but technically in priestess years, that's not that long. So yeah. they've been there for, like, 100 years. Yeah. And they still aren't going outside. You'd think they'd get them some, like, tanning beds. They just get that They get that big old window on the side of the mountain in their room. Take some vitamin D. No, none of them are. No, they're not. None they shouldn't. That's probably not helping. They're sads. I, I agree. Cassian walks away to allow Nesta and Gwen to have a little sidebar to get Gwen sort of acclimated without him hovering. Um, where Gwen shyly notes that she realized that she doesn't have any proper training attire. Cassian interjects from the side that he can train her in, in anything, if ro- in, in robes or whatever, if preferred. Gwen has not decided if she's willing to trade the robes out yet, but tells them she'll see how she feels after this lesson. Oh, I love that he's just so, like, down to keep her as, like, cool and into everything and consenting as possible. I mean, this is where you really fall in love with Cassian. Oh, yeah. Watching him interact with these very, like, with these people with such traumatic pasts. Like, oh, my God. Melt, melt, melt. All right, fine. I'll kiss you. Yeah. God, Cassian. I'll kiss you. I'll lean up. Oh, you're so big. Oh, your chest is so strong. Are you, your eyes are closed. Are you just pretending you're in a different I'm place? thinking about Jeff. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's a nice big yeah. furry man. He's a big furry man. Gwen is distracted by the sun on her face. It basically says, like, I, guys, I might be a little distracted. I haven't felt sun on my head for two years. Yeah, I'd say give her a second to take it in. Yeah. And Nesta, of course, doesn't care, but... She's not sure how to proceed and doesn't know what to say. Thankfully, Cassian senses this and tells them it's time to get to feet touching. Get those shoes off, Gwen. Just imagine their feet, just their two toes going. (laughs) Oh, I like you too. Is this Cassian and Nesta's toes? I think just maybe toes like other toes. Mm. Have you ever thought about that? No, it's (laughs) horrifying. That toes um, are sentient. Yeah. Yeah, that would like be very it. scary. Yeah, this little piggy ain't going to the market anymore. Where's the piggy gonna go? Depends. Hopefully not to the market, because that probably means it's getting slaughtered. Yeah, oh, no. 
Within the first lesson, Nesta notices that Gwen is agile and quick to pick up movement cues. She finds Gwen to be joyful once she gets over the initial shyness. She seems to almost be having fun with this, which is good news. Yes. As they're taking a break, Gwen tells Nesta about the fact that as a a priestess in Sangrava, that they did actually train a lot of movement and breathing exercises back then. They were training to be warriors, but they moved for spiritual reasons and that they had learned breathing exercises. When Nesta asked her why she wanted to come learn techniques then... Gwen tells her she doesn't want to feel powerless anymore. Nesta swallowed, and though instinct told her to pull away, she said quietly, Me too. Oh my God, they're becoming friends. Oh my God, she opened up about something. And I love that. And though instinct told her to pull away, she said quiet. I love that. Yeah, she did it. She reached out her own hand to herself. Oh, my God, to herself, and then her own, and then the piggies were like, what about us? Get out of here, feet! It's not about you! (laughs) We picked up a couple couple days after this at Windhaven, and we learned through Nesta's thoughts that Gwen has returned the following days for lessons. And so now that we're a few days in, Gwen's like, she's doing it. She's in. Which is exciting. Now Cassian and Nesta on this day have taken a trip up to Windhaven for Cassian to take care of some Illyrian businesses. And he's not quite sure why Nesta wanted to tag along, but she did. However, she thinks he probably really knows what she she's doing here. He kind of gave her a look being like, all right, come on. Yeah. Nesta's grateful to enter the little shop that Emery owns to get out of the wintry air that's already seeping through Windhaven. Flap, 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 flap. Why is it? Who's flapping? I was flapping my clipped wings. Oh, so you were Emery in the shop. Yes, flapping waiting. wings around. Yeah, like excited that someone was coming in. Because I imagined if I had wings when I got excited, I'd flap, 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 flap them. Unless you had wing trauma. They got yeah, I guess maybe then you keep them far away and you don't want anyone to look at them. But I'm just thinking, like if I had a tail, it'd be wagging a lot. No, that's true. Yeah. You know, you ever think about that? All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> So basically the winter air has already hit Windhaven, even though it's barely autumn. Emery is behind the counter, and there's a male with his back to Nesta speaking to her. She can tell right away the room is tense and that Emery looks uncomfortable. So Nesta walks straight up next to the male and realizes that he's clearly drunk. Oh, God. She gives him a withering stare and then ignores him. It's clear that Nesta is attempting to save Emery from whatever ugly interaction this is, even though she's not sure what's happening. We pick up that this male is someone Emery is familiar with named Bellius and that he's threatening her. Nesta's not having it. Hell no. She essentially tells him to leave and humiliates him, refusing to demure to him or placate his bad behavior. Hell yes. And then Emery also tells him to go and he calls her a hateful bitch. Emery laughs and Nesta says, get out. Nesta said again pointing to the door as Bellius bristled at her fading laughter. Do yourself a favor and get out. Man, it sounds like this where it's like, man, I love like I love that kind of Nesta friend where it's like mm. comes in and is like, fuck no. Yeah. Oh, hell no. You are not going to. I definitely um, was way more this back in the day of just like when someone was like, it's like you mess with me, you mess with any of my friends, mm. I will cut you down. And I've 
tamed on that a little bit over years of therapy and anger management and things like that. But I so often that comes in handy, though. It pops out. It gets there every once in a while of just like, don't fuck with me and don't fuck with anybody I love. Yeah. But But you're right. But I'm also a lady. You're right that it's not always a good thing. It's not always. Sometimes I used to pop off in places in times when you're just like, this isn't good for you. It's not like this is not a safe thing for you to do. This is not the time for you to act like this. So I've learned to not do it in those situations. Look at you. Midlife crisis. I guess this is growing up. Flap, 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 flap. She wasn't flapping her wings right now, though. No, she's pissed. She's yeah. annoyed. Yeah. Do you think they do use their wings, like almost like the ears of, like where it's like, like would her wings be more like back and curt, like because I know that they use them in like loving manners, but I wonder if they ever use them like almost like a mood ring to display or like their to slap people across the. Well, I know they they don't want to touch anybody, but like definitely like the bristled up. You know. Well, what yeah. I mean? I mean, they talk about a lot uh, of like whenever they're confronting other Illyrians their wings get wider or like they you know like a you can kind of tell what their stance is by how their wings are are either tucked in or not I just think that's really cool it is cool I wish that I had them yes I want to have wings but larger wings hopefully than the one <laughs> I, I saw in Las ones. Vegas <laughs> I want little tiny ones on my head yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cop the head Copped <laughs> Oh no. Um, so, after a few more tense words are exchanged with Bellius, he stumbles out of the store. When the two females are left alone, Emery explains that Bellius is her cousin and that he's a quote, young, arrogant idiot who is blood right bound this coming spring. I wonder if he's so angry because people used to call him Smellius instead. Or just. Belly. 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 Oh, look, it's a little belly. Belly button. Although that's what they call the main girl in The Summer I Turned Pretty, which, yes, is a show that I am probably too old to be watching. Eh. But sometimes you got to watch a YA series. I mean, this started out as a YA series. It's very adult now. Yearners. Well, that's why these books, like this book, is not in a Y, not in the YA she section. She didn't really want them to be YA no. in the first place. No, they kind of like pigeonholed her into that. Yeah. Oh, just because there's fairies, it's for fucking children. I don't think so. What not if the this fairies book? are fucking each other, huh? Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm bright red, big smile on my face as I read the sex scenes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so he's got the blood right this spring. yeah the blood right Nesta makes it clear she's not frightened by this information that you know oh she's got all these men threatening her and all this she's like got it I'm, I've been there man for and Emery continues that Bellius's father is her dad's brother it makes it clear she doesn't think highly of any of her relatives that they are cruel and unyielding this sends Nesta through a memory bank, which where we learn about her grandmother for the first time, or grandmama, grandmama. who. <laughs> That's there's no other way to say that. No, you have to say it like that. I can't even like grandmama, grandmama. Oh, grandmama. I guess that's cute too, but grandmama makes a lot more sense because it's very pretentious in general. Yes. Who, seemingly similar to Nesta's mother, died of a coughing disease when oh, no. Nesta was seven. Oh, no. Is that what my allergies are? Is it really just a coughing disease? Perhaps. Natalie! I'm sorry. 
Maybe it's not a midlife crisis. Maybe it's, it's an whooping cough. Cr- oh, it's, or it's whooping cough. It's, Whoop. <laughs> it's a flight crisis. <laughs> Good Lord. So what it sounds like, though, is Grandmama it was a cruel dictator who would beat Nesta for dancing missteps. Jesus. She would say things like, worthless, clumsy girl. You're a waste of my time. Maybe this will help you remember to pay attention to my orders. Nesta had only felt relief when the old beast had died. Is this too personal? Uh oh, I'm triggered. This is part. This is part of why this book, like with Nesta, is so. Like I had also a very evil grandmother that we've discussed publicly before, and it really was. But it's also like the weird, like back and forth in your brain of like you feel so relieved that this horrible person is dead, but also then guilt because you're happy that someone's dead, and then like it's like so like tangled up in oh, all I of bet. these emotions. Probably feel anger too, like. anger, and just, like just so many emotions when someone in your family that was horrible dies, and like Nesta, like totally, it all of these building blocks of Nesta's personality just mm-hmm. makes her make more and more sense. But then if you think about it, it also makes Feyre make more sense too. Yeah. Because, like, I'm sure Feyre also went through this, or she was so uncared for that Nesta, like, all of this laid on Nesta, and that it never filed down, like, you know, never spilled down to the younger sisters. Because oftentimes it does seem that a lot of, like, the oldest children take the brunt of, of, like, you know, the beginning of family issues. And we already learned from her memories that her mother saw Nesta as this a weapon and basically yeah. to go seek out fortune she, basically saying Elaine would marry for love but you she would be marrying t- for calculating reasons basically so her mom could make money I which guess. makes sense because she's the oldest and you know and that mm-hmm. also still falls on the oldest and that's which still weirdly does not to you know every not to that extent in every family but I feel like a lot of fall like I'm saying this as the I'm that baby God love me but I mm-hmm. see with my peeps all of this other responsibility that my older siblings have to deal with yeah, that I made you live out on that island so you could only see them through binoculars. I wish. Send me out there. You got an island? You got a baby sister island that I can go to? (laughs) Baby sister island. (laughs) I'm going to be nude all the time on baby sister island. Good lord. Talk about a midlife crisis. <laughs> um, so also I thought it was interesting in this memory, she reflects on how she had, you know, gone to the grave of her grandma whenever she had died. But she had gone to her mother's maybe too many times, which is an interesting sort of reflection on the toxic nature of the codependent relationship. She feels so much contempt for her mother, but was almost bred to be addicted to her. Dude. Makes me think of Jeanette McCurdy. Oh, my God, Jeanette McCurdy. That book. Oof. Lord. That she, you know, she was sort of obsessed with her mother, even though her mother was, she knew she wasn't a good mother. Yeah. So, like, you know. But you're still conditioned. Like, yeah. you are manipulated and, and it is trauma. She's traumatized. So she would go sit at her mother's grave, even though, because she, almost probably she didn't know what she, to, do. to do. She was so corralled by her mom her, yeah. her childhood. She didn't know how to be. It didn't If someone wasn't telling her exactly what to be and how to be. Yeah. She's also never visited her father's grave in Valaris, though she knows Elaine and Feyre go regularly. Back to the present time facing Emery, we learn that Emery's uncle and his family comes periodically to threaten Emery. Great. So you know where she is, so you just pop by. Get the fuck out of here. 
Yeah. Before Nesta can inquire further, Emery changes the subject, saying that Nesta never returned, but that she looks far healthier than she did the last time she was there three weeks prior. She tells Nesta that she found out um, a little bit about how she could get the leathers lined like she had requested back then, and that even though she could do it, it would be expensive. Nesta thanks her but tells her she can't afford it. And in that moment... It makes me think of, like, the lined Crocs. Someone that recently (laughs) bought lined Crocs. Yes, they are great. I thought they were going to be too hot on my feet, and they're totally not. And you did go to a shoemaker. Yes. I said, cobble me these Crocs. Please, could you line me Crocs? Crocs needed in me Crocs. And me crooks and me cooks. And he's like, why do you keep saying it like this? If you want me to put fur in there, I'll just put fur in there. <laughs> I could just do a, put some glue in there. <laughs> Stop saying crooks on me cocks. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. Um, so she basically said, like, even she said she can't afford it. And then Emery offers, I, I can take out, like, you can pay it back over time if you oh. want. Uh when Ef- Emery offers her this, it launches again Nesta into her memories, where she recalls the villagers doing no such thing for her and her starving sisters. So Emery's offering this level of kindness, being like, oh, you can pay me back. But nobody would do that for them, that only Feyre had kept them from dying in those days. She recalls the night when Feyre returned with the meat and the pelt. And how that night she had planned, if there was no food, she was going to offer her body to Tomas in order to feed her and Elaine. Oh, my God. She doesn't but say... But also, again, yeah, she doesn't she say, doesn't say Feyre, Feyre, though. She doesn't say that she would have given her body to feed her and Elaine, even though Feyre was doing all this work, man. Yeah, oh. it's brutal. Oof. I think the takeaway, though, is that Feyre was different from the beginning, and it never, maybe never occurred to Nesta that Feyre would need her help. Need someone to take care of her, because and it is weird in a way, like, it's a backhanded compliment yeah. of, like, well, she was going to take care of herself because she can take care of herself. Yeah. So, but it is still, like, a bitchy thing oh, yeah. to think, but that's how her brain was conditioned. Right. And... Precious Feyre was always doing everything Lord. better. Um, when Feyre returned with the food that night and then that fairy broke down their door, something changed in, that, in Nesta. Three days afterwards, she went to Tomas and broke it off. I think before I've said it was the day after, but it was actually three days after. When Feyre asked her not to marry Tomas right before she left, it must have stuck with Nesta. They were no better off at that point, but Nesta realized she didn't want to be stuck with this man. When he hears this news, when she comes to confront him and say, I'm leaving, he attacks her, pinning her against a wall and calling her a spiteful whore. Spiteful whore, he'd growled. You think you're better than me? Acting like a queen when you haven't got shit. It becomes clear that he intends on taking what hasn't been offered. And survival instincts kick in. Nesta, in those moments, feigns giving up and just letting him take what he will. But when he gets close enough, bites down on his ear and tears. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Get in there, bitch. It shocks him enough that she gets time to run and she leaves and never looks back. Soon after, the fake news about her father's ships being found reaches their cottage. Even then, Nesta knew it was a lie. The glamour not working on her. Man, she was too fat. Like, she was too powerful before she even became a fae. She was already a fae in her heart oh and soul. Oh, my God. Returning to that present moment, at, like leaving her memories, she thanks Emery again but says, it's not necessary for me to get the furs. 
Perhaps surprisingly, Emery then asks Nesta to stay for lunch. Oh my God, a friend? Oh my God, bitches lunch. Bitches lunch. I love bitches lunch. Yeah. Nothing makes me happier than midday. All of a sudden you're like, bitch, you want to get lunch? It's like, bitch. Bitch. Yeah, I do want to get lunch, bitch. (laughs) Nessa's a little taken aback and she thinks that Emery wouldn't invite her if she knew how truly awful she was inside. Oh. Heck, she's hardly better than old Bellius there. Bellius, I doubt it. Nesta, don't think so poorly of yourself. But I do think it's good for her to acknowledge she that has she been That she has an issue, yes. And so she's like, she's, well, Marie doesn't know, but she probably will at some point find out she wouldn't ask for lunch then. Oh. But she decides in the meantime she's going to take her up on that offer that no one has invited her to a meal in a very long time. I would like that, Nesta said. And meant it. Over the course of that meal, Nesta and Emery sit in a small back room of her shop, and Nesta notices that the table's only set up for one person. Upon inquiry, she learns that Emery is single. She doesn't oh, have a also, mate or a husband. But it is sad. To, I mean, it's. I guess it's not sad, but even if, if I'm eating by myself, can you imagine setting up like a placemat and a no. table for one, like table for one, as I'm just eating by myself? <laughs> that I'd probably say as I took out the chair for myself and <laughs> you cried know, into my meal. You could also look at it as like self-care. Because a lot of times nice. when I eat alone, right. I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like a little gremlin on the couch eating toast. Don't <laughs> look at me! So maybe it's just her way. Of you're right. I'm treating yourself. Na- you're right, Natalie. Pronoia. That's a very that's a much Pro-noia. nicer okay. way of looking at this. We'll call it that. Sure. Um, <laughs> so she, you know, Emery doesn't have a mate, but she's got Emery's kind of like I don't want one anyway. Hell yeah. Um, Nesta tells her, yes, that's the same for me. But Emery asks about the quote handsome General Cassian. Okay. Nesta denies it. No, <laughs> no. Emery's like, okay, girl. I can smell sex panther all over you, but whatever. Arr, yeah, like that's the thing, Nessa. You can't lie about this shit because people can smell it. That's so unfair. Everybody knows your business. Yeah, I'm really, really, again, I how many times I can say how happy I am that we do not have that kind of scent yeah. appraisal in our society. See, I'm glad I'm a human. <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> Emery offers Nesta a serving of her stew and fresh bread, and Nesta exclaims that it's delicious and fresh. Oh. Emery informs her that she grows the vegetables herself, but that spices are in short demand up here on the mountain. For whatever reason, the visit with Emery is drumming up a lot of memories from Nesta's childhood. She again is drawn back into her thoughts, goes back and thinks of her father's offices, where he traded spices from all over. While Nesta spent her times there in the offices as a child, eyeing up the man meat for potential sons to court. Man, always eyes on the prize, man. Yeah. She was, that's very how she impressive. was bred. Yeah, very impressive. Pharaoh would want to know about the business aspect, learn about the artifacts and worldly goods that her father traded. Pharaoh even tries to get Nesta to learn about these things, but perhaps based on her need to please her mother, it only served to drive a wedge between the two sisters. Emery asks if she would like to have traveled around with her father if it hadn't been considered inappropriate for a rich girl to go gallivanting around. God, I'd love to gallivant. Me too. It's my favorite. I'm glad I wasn't born as a little rich girl. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. It was a little trash... (laughs) 
dumpling girl trash dumpling? I, I, I think we might be considered trash dumpling. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm hungry. Yeah. She, Let's eat some dumps. Yeah, dip some dump dumps. She thinks about how Feyre and Elaine had described different things that they had wanted to see, like fantasized about seeing art and flowers on the continent. And then Nesta admits that even though she would have wanted to please her mother, she secretly would have loved to have gone and seen the sights. We also learn that through this conversation, Nesta's mother had a cousin who lived on the continent, and that was the extent of her extended family. The cousin, whenever they had become poor, had ignored all of Nesta's letters pleading for help after their fortune was lost. Nice family. Yeah, thanks a lot, cousin. Oy. Man, lots of bad cousins in this chap, you know? just yeah. They're just, I guess it's for the best that I don't talk to any of mine. Yeah, I have good cousins, but I know a lot of people don't. Yeah, Got man. a bunch of bums. Got a bunch of smelliuses. <laughs> Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' Cold K-Cup Pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We learn that Emery never knew her mother or brother, who had died at her birth and before she was born, respectively. They just left that just left her with her father, who was a tyrant and died during the war with Hyburn. Goodbye. Yeah, but I'm sure another really like like psychologically fucked up death for her that she probably had to process, I'm sure. Oh, sure. But I do think ultimately she's glad because she wanted to run the shop despite the fact that yeah. like females were not supposed to be doing that. And now she gets to because ain't nobody can tell her no. That's right. The except the extended family who, with whom Nesta had become acquainted that day, were trying to get their grubby hands on Emery's shop, which is why Bellius was there that afternoon. 
Rizan had changed inheritance laws so that females could own property because, of course, yes, he did. Yes, he did. But her backwards family doesn't see it that way and felt that they were owed the business. We also learn Emery has never left this little village. Certainly couldn't fly out of it. Oh. When Nesta tastes something odd in her tea, Emery informs her that it's the willow bark she puts in it to help her wings, which still hurt from the clipping sometimes. Oh, my God. Flap, flap, flap. No, she can't flap. She can't flap at all? The flaps hurt. Oh, my God. Her flaps are hurt. <laughs> Been there, oh, sister. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> put some balm on it. <laughs> You're not supposed to put balm in there. Yeah, I know. They finish their lunch, and as Nesta's heading out, she casually mentions about the training she's doing at the House of Wind. Emery immediately turns it down, saying, no, 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 I'm good. I I don't have any way to get out there. Nesta tells her they could arrange for it. But again, Emery says no. The villagers would definitely not be into her learning how to fight. You don't seem like a coward. The words rang between them. Emery bit her lip, but Nesta shrugged. Send word if you wish to join us. The offer stands. Also, you got to think, Emery is like now like living on her own. She don't need nobody. Like she also is going through. I think I think Nesta does see a lot of herself in Emery, which is probably why so many of these memories keep coming up for her. Emery memories. Like, Emery memories. <laughs> um, except they're sad. So we don't want Emery memories. But um, it's good to process them. And I'm very proud of you. But also like she ain't need nobody. And so I imagine she sees this as like uh, reaching out your hand, but sometimes you don't want a hand to be reached out. You go, no, 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 get that hand away from me. Um, Yeah, for sure. But I think that also there is just part of it that Nesta can see that just based on the attack today that maybe Emery could stand to learn some self-defense. Yeah, and kick that guy's ass. And you go, no, no. Hell no. Um, So... You know, that's an intense thing to say. To say I, you don't sound like a coward. I can't tell if that's ballsy or just like really shitty to it's say. It's a them. little intense. It's a little much. But I think that like I can see what she was trying to do there. But like cool out a little bit. Yeah. But no matter, she's made the offer. And now we're zipping over to Cassian. Okay. Who's been, who's back dealing with Eris. And they're kissing. No, Jackie, that's oh. your fanfic. You, brought, you got it mixed in there. Oh, they're not kissing, but in just got to close your eyes and whoop, there they so are. So many people can kiss behind your eyes. Yeah, man. Isn't that awesome? Um, so it turns out that the Illyrian business that he needed to do that day, or the reason they were up there is that he needed to come back to meet with Eris, this time meeting at the Illyrian steps deep in the night court forests. Cassian's irritated to note that he's technically really glad Eris is there using his fire magic to warm the two of them as they stand in the frigid winds. Which is kind of cute. Yeah, he's like, God damn it. But I'm happy. Yeah, but he likes it. So Cassian's here on Reese's orders to inquire about Eris's knowledge of the dread trove. They oh, basically the need plot. to re- Yes, the plot. Yes. The other one that's not the yeah, based yeah, yeah. on the sex. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so he's supposed to ask Eris, tell him about the dread trove and ask if he's ever heard of it. Eris hasn't ever heard of it, and he feels very sure that his father hasn't either. That's good, but then Eris mulls over Brialan's decision to keep that information from Baron because, of course, they're working together in tandem. Mm-hmm. 
he needs time to process why and what this means for them all. So he says, like, I'm going to go maul this over for a minute. So thanks for the info, you fucking asshole, Cassian. Cassian's like, oh, fall, damn it. Don't say that mean things to me. Yeah. Whoa. Are they in the room right now? Yeah. Teleplay. Teleplay. Cassian warns Eris. Not don't bring Dreadtrove up to Baron, okay? And Eris says he's not going to. But then, in that same breath, asks if, uh, if that's why Morgan is in Valhan right now. Trying is she trying to find out if they know anything about the Dreadtrove? Cassian doesn't tell him that it's actually because she's still trying to convince them to sign the peace treaty. He's got to give some information, but you can't give yeah. all the information. Yeah. Also, I think it wouldn't serve them for. Eris to know that they don't have the situation under control. Under control. Ooh. Yikes. Eris snipes back that he assumed she's going away all the time so she doesn't have to see him. Cassian says, don't flatter yourself, mm-hmm. which in turn results in Eris calling Cass a, quote, mongrel bastard. Eris, it's like, can you just not, like, you always got, like, get something new. It's just, You've known him for centuries. You have nothing else besides the fact that he's a bastard. That's it. Well, it's because there's nothing to actually hate about Cassian, and he's yeah. being a jealous little petty boy. But it's just always the same thing. It's like, get a new bully tactic. You're better than that. Be better. Be better. Be better at bullying. Be better at bullying. And so when he calls Cass a mongrel bastard, he knows it gets under Cass's skin, which is why he does it. I know. And so he he gets fully amused when Cass's anger appears across his face. Eris is like, haha, got him. With a few more words exchanged, Eris winks at Cass and disappears, taking the heat with him. Cassian stands at the bottom of the steps there, trying to brush it off, but... The interaction gnaws at him. Of course it does, because it's like it can never just be normal. Like, can we just get through this? We have to work together. You have to just call me names every time? And we have to kiss. Oh, God. I don't want to... I don't think casting... uh, I don't think Eris deserves kisses right now. Whoa. You're right. You are right. We'll see. Maybe he'll... I feel like maybe he'll at some point deserve kisses. Okay. Yeah. At the beginning of chapter six, we're, we're with Nesta at the end of that same day after Cassian had his interaction with Eris and she had an interaction with Emery. And now they're all back at the House of Wind. Uh, not all of them. But now Nesta and Cassian are back at the House of Wind. She doesn't know what Cassian was doing that day. We know as the reader because we had his POV. But she just basically had her lunch with Emery and then went back to Reese's mother's house to wait for him to return. And when he did, his face was tight and he was withdrawn. Now that she's finished her work up at the library, she heads back up to the house and decides she doesn't want to eat alone in her room that evening. Mm-hmm. So she goes to the dining room and finds Cassian already sitting there at the you table. See how much bitches lunch can do? Sometimes you just need a bitch's lunch, man. And then you're just you want to chat. Yeah, and then you're you're more open for the day. Yeah. She goes to the dining room and he's sitting there at the table with a glass of wine in his hand. Somebody's had a rough day. Mm-hmm. As she enters, though, the wine disappears and she kind of amusedly says to him she's not going to tackle it out of his hand. He doesn't have to disappear it. He informs her it's the house is doing, not his. Oh, cute house. Got her back. Yeah. She sits across from Cass and a plate of food appears before her. She watches him and can see that he is still brooding. See? Brooding again, Feyre. It's almost like he's constantly broody. Mm-hmm. She asks him if something bad happened with the queens. or She's trying to figure out. She doesn't know what happened. So she's just like, I, he seems upset. 
And he says, no, it's not that. It's just stupid errors. Yeah, but he opens up to her, too. She begins to eat at first. Like, she just lets it drop and starts telling him about her interactions with Emery that day. He's short with her, but she can tell it's not because he's angry with her. So she decides to again broach the subject and ask him more directly, what did Eris do? He's showing a little bit of shame on his face as though he believes the things Eris says about him. So he looks down at his plate as he tells her what Eris said. She feels rage course through her when he reveals Eris called him a mongrel bastard. Cassian admits that though he knows they're allies, he just can't help but hate that shithead. Eris and his twisted word games and politics are an enemy I I don't know how to handle. Every time I meet with him, I feel like he's got the upper hand. Cassian wonders aloud whether he's just a stupid brood after all. Stop, you need kisses. And something courses through Nesta. I think it's caring? What is, what is she, some kind of bear? She kind of... What, is it going to come out of her belly? What? Oh, Care Bears. Care Bears. Okay. <laughs> I got there. Thank you. Thank you for going with me. She sees the self-loathing on his face, and it causes her to get up out of her seat, go over to his side and lean against the table next to his plate. He looks up in surprise. She tells him they should just go off and kill Eris, like, fuck him. And Cassian admits that even though he hates Eris, he would make a better high lord than Baron, and that's more important. He ain't wrong. Nesta sees the goodness pouring from Cassian, and it makes her hot. She feels panic over knowing that she said things so similar as Eris to Cassian. And what's she going to do to make up for it? Oh, no. Put on a little slip. Oh, no. Shame rushed through her. Shame and anger and a wild sort of desperation. She couldn't abide the pain in his eyes, teetering on the brink of despair. Couldn't stand the absence of the grinning and winking and swaggering she knew so well. She'd do anything to get rid of that look in his eyes, even for a few moments. So, (laughs) Nesta braced her arms on the arms of his chair as she brushed a kiss to his neck. Oh my god! This is like big. This is totally big. This is like giving like a little caring peck. And also, what an int- like this is where it goes to show like you were talking about their intimacy before, like how their intimacy because like that's totally not a move of someone that like we like we haven't you haven't even been inside of me yet. Like that's totally like an intimate move uh-huh. to just like get close and like kiss someone's neck like that. Like I can't imagine doing that to someone I was just dating. Like I feel like I'd have to be married to someone to well, do it. Well, it's a very romantic thing to yes, do. Yeah. Because the, her first time, she obviously made the first move with him initially, but that first kiss was like, a sort of like, Erratic. I'll show you. Yeah, wild, desperate. Um, and this time, yes, it's very different. And so it takes Cassian off guard. He's kind of shocked and his breath catches. But he doesn't stop her, and so she does it again. And then she licks his throat. <laughs> He then begins to stop her, kind of putting his hand out. Oh, wait, actually. He then begins to stop her. Cassian shifted in his chair, groaning softly. 
Uh, <laughs> is that uh, softly? <laughs> His hand rose to clasp her hip as if he'd push her away, but she removed him. Let me, she said against his neck. Please. Damn! Oh, God! Damn! He doesn't stop her again, because obviously he was pushing her away, not because he didn't want it. It was just like, no, it was I don't know like a, hey, are, are, you know, okay? are you okay? Are you cool, okay? Man? Are we cool? Are we good? So he doesn't stop her, and then she slides to her knees. Why? <laughs> Natalie, why would she? <laughs> his eyes go wide. She says, please again, and after a moment... He nods. Good Lord. And then she ties his shoes because the laces had become undone. And then she stands up. She's like, your shoes are untied. What? And he went, oh, no. Oh, my shoes. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's not where she wets her knees. What's fun about this scene is that the first half of the interaction is from Nesta's point of view. And then then we shift over to Cassian for the second half. Love. So the first, basically the first like romance scene is her, her view. And then it is also her again, right? In the second one? Pretty sure. No, I can't remember. But this is, I just know. It bounces back and forth. Yeah, this is notably fun because it it is like one half him, one half her. And so it shifts over to his POV for the second half of stop. Stop. um, That's happening. This is the, I mean, where my eyes were going, oh, 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 as I read it. Now, this is one of. Jackie's favorite scene. It's pretty cool. It's pretty good. And so he's finished. Finished with his tying his shoes. Yes. And then she, as she stands up, he he's still just like shook. Yeah, dude. He can send her arousal and demands that she quote take off her pants. Nesta's delighted and begins to, but steps scuffed down the hall. A warning. From someone who knew how to remain silent. (laughs) I love just walking down the hallway. It's me, Asriel, walking down the hallway. Yes, I'm made of shadows, but right now I sing about walking down the hallway. (laughs) The two of them shove their clothes back on and step away from each other. Like, As wouldn't know immediately Immediately, what was happening. Not only, like, know, like, not only can, like, hear it happening, but also scent it happening. They're like, oh, oh, we oh, just have, we're having dinner. We're eating dinner. Um, but as is finding this all very amusing, Nesta quickly says goodnight and exits stage left. Yep. Leaving the two males at the dinner table. Cassian basically says, thanks a pant load. Yeah, dude. As first plays it off, but then just basically cuts it straight to the, cuts to the chase and says, you know, don't blow your whole load here. Just take your time, <laughs> as, it were, as it were. Uh... Cassian calls him a busybody. I love this. As took a bite. You let her suck your cock in the middle of the dining room. (laughs) At a table I'm curling using to eat my dinner. I'd say that entitles me to an opinion. Cassian laughed, his earlier gloom chased away. By her. All by her. Fair enough. 
<laughs> you let her suck your cock in the middle of the dining room <laughs> at a table I'm currently using to eat my dinner. I'd say that a dog was I and then that also then that makes me fall in love with Az. Every time we see his dry this, humor, like, his dry humor, I'm just like, oh, Malone, give it, give it, give it. Somebody also, I I think I'm so sorry if somebody sent it to me via message or. I don't remember where I saw it, but somebody, I think, maybe tagged me in something where it was showing um, SJM doing an interview and was asked uh, what uh, (laughs) if uh, Az was a freak or not. And she was like, oh, he's a freak. Oh, my God. I'm going to die when we get to the next book. And it's she's very interesting how she talks about character building because she basically says in that interview that she has to, like, like, let him kind of like inform who he is in her mind while she's thinking and she was like and I was getting like sweaty when he, I was realizing like what he's into, what he's into but like him. she also said like not in a bad way like it's not like not too far into the cake yeah. world like it is just no he's just a little he's just a little freaking on leash well freaking leash okay so, okay I'll read about it yeah. okay um so that's fun yeah, it is. And I'm so glad that we finally got to my favorite scene. Yeah. Sucking his cock under the dinner table. <laughs> yes, please. Um, it is a throbbing scene. It really is. We'll have some readers of it. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Um, I want to end here just because uh, let's end on this nice little scene. Love it. We'll get further along now that we're past some of this stuff. Okay. Please read up until chapter 30. And now, dudes grappling with erotica, for educational purposes only. Featuring Carolina Hidalgo and Julia Johns. He tore his mouth from hers. If you keep doing that, I'll... Nesta did it again, dragging the heel of her palm upward toward the tip she knew pressed against his lower abdomen. His hips arced toward her, and he tilted back his head, exposing the strong column of his throat... She learned the shape of him through his pants and pressed her hand harder, working him. He gritted his teeth, chest heaving like a bellows, and the sight of him coming undone had her leaning forward, had her clamping her teeth into his neck, just as she rubbed him again, harder and rougher. He hissed. With her name on his lips, his hips thrust into her hand with a strength that made her core throb to the point of pain, imagining that force, that size and heat buried deep inside her. Another punishing rub of her palm, a scrape of teeth at his neck, and Cassian erupted. His wings tucked in tight as he came, and each spurt of his cock shuddered through his pants. This Kimple, this is like fucking Birdman coming. <laughs> his, his wing, oh, he's a bat, I'm sorry. A bat with a cock shuddering, echoing along her hand as she stroked and stroked him. When Cassian had stilled, when he was shaking, <laughs> only then did Nesta remove her face from his neck. His hazel eyes were wide enough that the whites shone around them. A blush stained his golden cheeks so enticing that she nearly leaned forward to lick that, too. But he remained gaping, like he'd realized what he'd done and regretted it. What have I done? Every bit of desire of blessed distraction within her winked out. Nesta shoved at his chest and he immediately let go, almost dropping her to the floor as their bodies pulled apart. She didn't wait to hear his words of regret, that this had been a mistake. She wouldn't let him hold that power over her, so Nesta curled her lips in a cold, cruel smile and said as she left, 
someone's quick off the mark. Hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Duncan is where you want to be. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.